Hello, James. Hello, strategy. <laughs> we're back so, once uh, again. I was a little bit late. I was a little bit late for this episode of the podcast, but we're here now, and we're ready <laughs> to talk about this beautiful blog post that you've written. Yet another blog post. Yet another and blog this one's post. On metrics. It is. Um, I decided to do a blog post on metrics, and it was basically motivated by the fact that in a lot of the largest SRS communities, there isn't much focus on what I consider to be um, meaningful goals, meaningful end goals in learning. Mm. Um, essentially, I think, especially recently with uh, like uh, certain add-ons, like the heat map add-on, um, oh, yeah, yeah. things like Anki. streaks, things like Habitica, like mm. those sort of things seem to have accelerated a sort of trend that I think has been um, going on for a while, which is people in the SRS community generally don't use it to do, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like a subjective thing. Like, I feel like um, people aren't doing serious work, if you know what I mean. And that sounds like mm. I'm shitting on people who are using <laughs> SRS to uh, study for exams or just study a language or, or something like that. And I think that's fine. It's just not the kind of content that I think should be idolized or I don't think it's the kind of content um, that should be as widely praised as it, as it is. I don't know. How do you yeah, feel? I mean, a lot of these, like, if you go to the Anki subreddit, let's say, uh -huh. a lot of the posts on there are just things like, oh, I've got a 1,000-day streak, or things right. like this. And it's like, okay, great, but what have you been doing on the days? You know, like, you mentioned before that someone will set <laughs> will set their goal as, like, one review per day, so that the heat map stays active, you know? Right, right. Which it's is... You're just gaming it. You're just gaming the metric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these metrics, uh, people don't see them with the sort of si the same cynicism as we do. They they sort of genuinely feel that they are, like, they are the progress. They aren't just the indicators of progress. They are the progress themselves. Mm. If you know what I mean. Right. I, I, I don't right. know. I just found that really frustrating, and my goal with writing the blog post was just to get people talking about it because. Um, I really want to see like a culture shift in the sort of things people uh, use SRS for because hardly anyone uses it uh, to do the sorts of work, the sorts of creative work that I think it can be used for. Um, most people just seem to see it as a tool for memorizing trivia, that sort of thing. Memorizing like um, just stuff that is as close to nonsense syllables as possible it's as, it's as close right, as right. to um herman <laughs> ebbinghaus as possible with, without being that um without being that useless so right yeah i mean the thing is most of these people seem to be doing it as some kind of if they're not doing it to pass exams they're doing it as some kind of status signaling like mm -hmm. oh look at me i've remembered all this trivia you know mm -hmm. like i've literally seen people post decks of like twenty thousand cards of literally they explicitly say this is trivia information right and like right. that's crazy to me but whatever if you want to do that i guess that's up to you but um yeah i mean most of this stuff is just like signaling you want other people to know that supposedly you're an educated person now because 
you've memorized all this trivia. Yeah, and, I mean um, all these gamification things. Oh, Apparently, yeah. people put like dogs <laughs> in the in the. Oh, cards. dude, like, puppy reinforcement. What is that one? Oh my god. Oh yeah, dude. what is that? I don't even know. I, I I don't know. I literally do not know what the purpose of that is or how it benefits you in any way. It all just seems to be these little ornaments, these little, like, it's like you go into uh, some sort of five-star restaurant or something and then you add all these little garnishes. You, you start pouring ketchup all over it. You have this amazing learning tool and instead you just <laughs> add all these weird... Um, gimmicks to try and uh make something yeah. that isn't rewarding more rewarding when you should just be focusing on like making the process itself rewarding because otherwise you're just going to optimize for the wrong wrong things i feel yeah i yeah. well i feel like that's such a fundamental difference i i i think the fundamental difference is which accounts for all these other divergences is that learning should be pleasurable and we've spoken about that but you know, if if learning is pleasurable, you don't need to gamify it. You don't need any of this other stuff mm -hmm. because in and of itself, you're gaining value. That's it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I... the problem is you have to balance it with this downside we've discussed, which is that that progress in space repetition systems can feel slow because mm. it's so gradual and you can often miss it because because of how gradual it is. And so that's a problem. So you have to balance it. So I can under, I can even understand the urge to have these progress metrics, even if you enjoy learning. Like at some point, this was years ago, mm. but I tried to have a goal where I would make some number of items or cards every single day, mm. right? And that only works for a little while because what started to happen, I would just sort of look for anything, even not very useful information that I could turn into cards. So I, again, I had gamed the metric, you know, it, it turned from a potentially useful thing, yeah. like, oh, I'm learning more stuff, to now I'm just learning useless stuff just so that I can satisfy this metric. So it was really a uh, pointless thing. So even if you enjoy learning, I can still understand the, the desire or the inclination to have some sort of gamification or mm. some tool like this to, to help you out a little bit. But I don't know, I guess on that note, are there some things that you think are useful progress metrics that are not abusing it or, or gamifying it or or discounting the pleasure of learning? Um, I think there are. I mean, all of the metrics that I mentioned in the article, like in particular the heat map, I mean, the heat map itself is, while it's a crude measure of consistency, it's still at least a measure of consistency. It's, it's uh, I think the problem only comes when you stop seeing the metric as just a metric you start seeing it as the progress so you only optimize for that metric so like you said when you start having the goal to create a certain number of cards um, rather than having the goal of I don't know achieving something with your learning in the real world then you only optimize for creating cards and you just lose sight of the I don't know the, the intrinsically meaningful goal that you should have at the end of learning right exactly you know I mean? yeah. and i think that we sort of alluded to it earlier but i think the ability to share the metrics um online over social media it's sort of accelerated their decline in value if you know what i mean <laughs> it's sort of i i said in the article like it's poisoned the culture and i think that's kind of a melodramatic and uh 
maybe a silly way to put it, but uh, it does seem to me that um, people see these posts of people who've been using SRS for a long time, like three plus years, they have these long streaks, they have these uh, beautiful glowing heat maps, <laughs> but they never see any um, any progress, like posts of any progress posts where people talk about how SRS helped them to uh, create something valuable in the real world. All they see is yeah. these uh, metrics um, being used as an end rather than simply a means to the end. And I think that right. means that uh, newcomers, they sort of get the false impression that this is what they should be aspiring to as well. And I think that, so with a, a sort of culture shift, if everyone I don't know if if there was sort of a more of a push to um to higher quality content in my view you know higher quality <laughs> uh progress write-ups pro progress posts um examples of people using SRS in creative domains I think that would really help change things um in a better way it really seems to me yeah that... I... sorry yeah, uh, just one sec yeah it really seems to me that um using SRS to pursue creative things is like the frontier. It's like the thing that people should be focusing on because it's the next evolution in the, um, in the uh, development of the technology, really. Uh, that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And the weird thing is, I have occasionally seen posts on, let's say, the Aki subreddit again. I haven't been there in a while, but there used to be at least posts where people would say, you know, what has Anki helped you do? Mm. And almost all of the responses, at least as far as I recall it, and uh, maybe I'm misremembering it, but as far as I recall it, it was people saying, oh, it helped me pass such and such exam, mm. or it, it helped me remember, you know, all the capitals, or something like this, that yeah. kind of thing. Nobody was really saying, oh, it helped me to deepen my understanding of some abstract concept or whatever it is which right, right. would be the ideal scenario or it helped me produce this piece of writing mm. because i was able to manage all my learning or whatever you yeah know, obviously michael nielsen was was one and I've, you know we're obligated to mention him so i have to put that <laughs> in hand. but um he was one and you know he mentions how it's very valuable for him but there are not that many people saying it and it's something we talked about before like why aren't there more geniuses using it but mm. and, I, and another point you said how it might seem silly to say that it's poisoned the the culture but i don't know that it is silly to say that some people might say okay progress metrics get you to use this software more and the software is useful in that it helps you remember the things you learn mm. unless you're learning complete nonsense that's actually harming you it's better to learn some stuff through gamification than no stuff without gamification right some people would make that argument mm -hmm. And I guess that's right, but it, it, it takes away focus from the fact that learning is supposed to be intrinsically pleasurable. Like some people, when they're starting working out and some, some quote unquote behavior experts or habit experts, mm -hmm. they give people this advice. They say, oh, after you work out, eat a piece of chocolate <laughs> as like a reward to yourself. And I'm thinking, what are you doing, dude? If you're working out and then you eat a piece of chocolate, what's the point? That's yeah. not what you're supposed to do. The workout is supposed to be intrinsically valuable. And maybe yeah. it won't be in the beginning, 
but it's at least supposed to be. And, yeah. you know, that's, I feel the same thing with the, the learning. It's like if you gamify these metrics and if you have all these weird tools to convince you to use it, even though you don't enjoy learning, then you're convincing yourself that learning is inherently displeasurable and you're not going to do it for the long term, which is, as far as I can tell, what the actual point of these space repetition sh systems should be. I mean, yes, you can pass your exams and then delete your decks, but hmm. man, don't you really think you should use this amazing tool for something better than that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's a great point. The assumption seems to be with gamification and eating chocolate after you work out, the assumption seems to be that after a period of time, you'll realize that um, the behavior you're trying to encourage is pleasurable in and of itself and you'll eventually stop eating the chocolate but it's not my uh, I, it doesn't seem to me that that's ever the case you, you, you sort of need to from the very beginning um be searching for a way be, be searching for you need to sort of be looking for how this um activity is intrinsically pleasurable in and of itself um otherwise i don't believe that you'll ever get there because I think this is really evidenced by the extremely high dropout rate of uh, Superman Low, <laughs> and I, I guess Anki as well. Like, mm. I, I don't remember the exact figures. I think we mentioned them on the first episode, but something like, I don't know, 25% plus of people will drop out after the first month, and then it's just downhill from there as well. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you really need to... Yeah, it's probably even more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's um, a better strategy to encourage people to try and find the reward in the behavior itself straight from the beginning rather than tacking on all of these uh like false rewards all this fake learning yeah yeah it might actually really shift your focus as well because maybe if you don't find some particular subject or or thing interesting or pleasurable to learn about there might be something else that you would find enjoyable to learn about mm. but because you're using the metrics and the gamification you just think i'm supposed to slog through this just so i don't lose my streak so you never actually go looking for something mm. more enjoyable you know yeah I mean? yeah yeah you can just get locked into this depending on this gamification for as long as it lasts and then never finding uh a way in which it can be truly pleasurable you know oh, yeah exactly i mean yeah, go ahead. So I just wanted to go back to the, um, like, people not using it for uh, what we consider to be, like, serious work. Like, mm. I feel like there's two issues, and one of them is that people uh, don't have an end goal at all, and mm. so they just end up learning for the sake of learning. So there's input in the form of your flashcards into your brain, and then it just never gets released out back into the world. You never synthesize it and create something and put it back into the world so there's never any output and the second one i see which is probably the most common is like people see the exam as the end goal and then and so they do all this work all this input in the form of flashcards or whatever space repetition the output is the exam and then it just uh decays into nothing because you stop using srs you stop reviewing your flashcards you might even go so far as to delete your deck. Oh my god. 
<laughs> I, I dread to think. <laughs> um, and so it just ne never, I don't know, yeah, it just seems like the culture is stuck there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and I'll just, I'll just make the point. Just because, okay, so it doesn't have to be something high level. Mm. We're not saying that. You don't have to, you can learn whatever you want. The whole point of what we're saying is not, oh, only learn physics so you can help us understand the universe. Right. We're not saying that. We're just saying you should enjoy learning because it's inherently pleasurable. For whatever reason, probably because evolution wants us to explore the environment, mm. we find learning inherently pleasurable. So it's supposed to be fun. And if you're taking away all the fun from it, you're, you know, in, in the terms of Wozniak, you're harming your learn drive, you're suppressing your learn drive, and that could have real negative long-term consequences. Mm. So the whole point of what we're saying, you could learn about whatever you want. You can learn about celebrities. If you enjoy it, that's better than forcing yourself to learn about something, you know, bad that you don't like. Obviously, if you have exams, it's a different story, but you would hope that even if someone were using Anki for exams, they would additionally use it for things they really enjoy. You know, but how often does that happen? And how often are people using it to to do things like that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I I, I agree. Um, I feel like it's going to come across like we're just knowledge snobs sitting in a, <laughs> I don't know, ivory tower or something, looking down at all the peasants. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. not... But, but to a certain extent, I feel like that's necessary. There has to be a certain level of um, opinion, a certain level of snobbishness. I can't just sit here and... and uh, say that the current state of SRS is amazing because it, it just clearly isn't. And um, right. it's never going to advance unless people start uh, talking about the problems. Yeah, and I, you know, I at some level, I think it's fine for, for us to say, like, you really should be using this amazing tool for something better. And mm. however self-righteous that sounds, it is what it is. It's just an opinion, I suppose, but... Um, yeah, I'll just, I guess I'll just give another anecdote. Like, let's say when I miss a day of incremental reading, mm -hmm. I'm not sad because I've ruined my streak. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care about, I don't even think about that. I don't, don't know that I've ever had a streak. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't think about that at all. I'm only sad because I go, oh, I didn't learn anything, you know? Like, that's it. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I think that's the whole goal. That's what we're saying. Don't make it something proxied for progress. Make it the mm. actual progress, which is the learning itself. Exactly, yeah. I, I've started recommending to people that they hide the statistics bar. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, the status bar, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, especially the outstanding parameter. Um, Wozniak's mm. got this good quote, like, the outstanding parameter becomes a form of religion. If people mm. don't get it down to zero plus zero, then they feel like a failure. <laughs> and I think that's... <laughs> uh, and that's even in the absence of like sharing like there's not really a big culture of sharing the outstanding parameter or the number of cards you finish per day in the sm community as far as i'm aware like mm. i never see those posts on discord i never see them on the reddit although the the discord and the reddit are smaller than the anki communities so maybe that's a reason right, but right. It, it seems that even in the absence of that people um stress over it and they begin to obsess over getting the um outstanding parameter down to zero zero or they want to uh, increase the number of cards or whatever um it, it started to make me feel like maybe there's something just innate within us that makes us crave the 
feeling of completion, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. People do the same with books. It's like people have this weird problem, and even Bill Gates has said this. Mm. He says he cannot leave a book unfinished. Mm. So to him, the the act of starting a book is he really thinks about it. He really considers it because mm. he doesn't want to start a book that he's not going to finish. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. There's something insidious about that. It doesn't really make sense. I yeah. mean, technically speaking, even if a book is good, it may be filled with stuff you've already read. So it, it's literally a waste of your time. Yeah. So it's... it doesn't really make sense. But people still have this crazy feeling. Of, well, it's, I mean, it's not crazy. It's natural. But mm. this feeling where they have to complete all these these learning things. And I guess the outstanding cue is yet another one where it's like, oh, if I don't get to zero, I'm failing it. Yeah, it's one of like the um, most profoundly unintuitive parts, I think, of space repetition of incremental reading. You know, um, the idea that it it isn't a goal to complete something because you never really complete learning. It's it's a continuous process. You never reach the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the uh, like the end goals are the are the projects, the creative output you do along the way, but you're never really done. So it's better to focus on optimizing for those rather than, I don't know, these more arbitrary, uh, these more arbitrary sort of milestones for completion, like finishing a book or finishing an article, things like that. Yeah. Or finishing yeah. your, your outstanding reps or topics or whatever. Like, yeah, to me, yeah. I guess in the specific terms of Superman, the whole point of prioritization is so that if you don't finish everything, you got to the most important stuff first. If you got through everything, you wouldn't need prioritization. You would just go through everything every day. What's the point of prioritizing something if you're going to go through all your stuff anyway? Exactly, exactly. So people start Super Memo and they only have like 10 topics in their outstanding queue. And at that point, it doesn't make sense to even have prioritization. But, you know, a couple months later, <laughs> they start importing hundreds and hundreds of articles and they realize that they're overloaded. And people begin to see this as like a really negative thing. Oh, I've got to um, stop the flow of topics into my collection. Otherwise, I'll never finish them all. But embracing overload is like one of the most important and unintuitive things you have to do because it's like that reflects the reality of the world you live in. You're surrounded by information that you'll never have time in your life to learn or absorb or whatever. Um, right, exactly. You have to accept that whether that information is in your collection or not, you're still missing out on it. So it might as well be in your collection and prioritize so that uh, you can either search for it or it will come up on the day where the priority's right and the intervals are right. You, you just got to accept that. And I think it's extremely unintuitive, but it's also one of the beauties of uh, Supermemo, really. Being able to, like, for was to have seen that and have designed the priority system in such a like coldly rational way you know <laughs> yeah exactly. it's really quite impressive there's some aspects of it that are crazy rational mm. it's like the, the numbers it's reversed so zero is the highest priority and mm. he says it's because you're more likely to put in a high priority than a low priority so it's just quicker to type in fewer numbers <laughs> exactly. which is like <laughs> that's really that's just a funny thing. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, the point you made there about 
if it's outside of your collection, you're still overloaded. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just because you didn't import it doesn't mean that's not something you want to learn. Mm. It's like, you know, your room is a mess, so you shove everything under the bed. Oh, now my room is clean. Well, not really. <laughs> you know, it's like you're just deluding yourself. Just import everything, prioritize, and wait for it to come up. And if it doesn't come up, that means, you know, you didn't have enough time or it's not high enough priority or whatever it is. But that's fine. As long as you're dedicating mm. sufficient time to learning and your priorities are good, then you're learning what you can learn and you don't have this weird thing about, oh, I can't import more stuff because then I'll have even more overload. And I don't know, I just think it's worthwhile to abandon that whole, like, completion of the outstanding queue thing entirely. I agree. I, I really agree. Like, uh, I don't know. Th there was this good quote, I think, Super, Super Surgeon posted about a guy mm. called umberto echo or something like that i, I bet i'm screwing mm. up his name but <laughs> something like the anti-library um so the books that you've read represent your knowledge and then all of the books you haven't read represent the anti-library the library of things you haven't read and that's always going to be full of that's always going to be larger than your knowledge and it's always going to be full of things that you would love to get around to if you had the time but um just because we're so time constrained, just because of the information age we live in where we're just flooded mm. with uh, stuff constantly. Uh, you need to prioritize and you need to pick those things that are essential to your future goals and whatever they may be. Yeah. And yeah, and that's, Sorry, you that's go ahead. such a tough thing because, man, I try not to think about it a lot I, because there's so much stuff to learn and it just kind of makes me sad that I'll never be, I'll never be an expert in everything. Mm -hmm. at, at best, if I do really, really well in life, I'll be an, an actual expert at two or three things, maximum. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine it's more than that, you know? But with, obviously, with incremental learning and all this stuff, you can amass way more knowledge than you could without it. I mean, that's, that's got to be true. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know... I don't know how it couldn't be true, but when you look at a guy, let's look at a guy like Leonardo da Vinci, and I don't, I don't know if we've talked about this before, if we have, just stop me, but if you look at a guy like Leonardo da Vinci, he was a renaissance man, and largely he was able to do that because anything he discovered was new information to everybody. Mm -hmm. it, nobody knew. If he, if he cut open a dead body and then drew what he saw, he just made a discovery because yeah. no one no one had done that before. So everything he, he knew was like new information to everybody. So he was able to be an expert in all these fields because the fields were so underdeveloped there was barely any information. And I know that's an oversimplification. I'm not, I'm not intending that as literally true for everything he knew. But the core of what I'm saying is the explosion of knowledge is wonderful. Obviously, all these fields are developing and there's so much progress and all these things. But what comes with that is just the complete inability to be an actual expert at many things in life because there's so much depth to all these fields now. And that's why you see these crazy subspecialties for doctors. Like a doctor will only do surgery on someone's left foot or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's extremely specific. But I guess you have to because as our knowledge increases, you need someone who dedicates their whole expertise, their whole career to just that portion of our knowledge about the world. I wonder if people will look back in the future at 
the times we're living in right now and say the same thing. <laughs> like maybe we're <laughs> we're missing out on uh, a bunch of great discoveries that we could be making really easily. <laughs> Although I, I mean, it, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case. It seems like um, a lot of scientific discoveries these days require like huge investment of time, money, and people. Like you have to have a lot of equipment to do. Like in, to do research into like the fundamentals of physics, you need a large hadron collider and stuff like that. It's just yeah, it's not as simple as uh, you know, opening a cutting open a cadaver or whatever and just drawing. Yeah, you find. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and then that's it. Kind of sucks too because it seems like scientific progress has slowed down, mm -hmm. and you know that that's unfortunate. I wonder if it's because of that. It's like. We're just, as we discover more and more things, there's just fewer things to discover. Maybe it's as simple as that, but I, you know, I don't know. I haven't done enough thinking about it, but yeah, just to get back to the core point, I, I really want to know if there's some intrinsic way to direct people away from these gamified progress metrics and more towards the enjoyment of learning. And if there's not a way of thinking that can be taught, is there something visual that you can put as a feature that would still add value that's not like a game of gamified thing that people would try to to abuse in the sense of these other metrics um i'm not really sure when i was looking up how other fields deal with things like only focusing on metrics and things like that i think maybe uh one of the ideas that may help is like having a bundle of these metrics and looking at like uh an aggregation of a bunch of them into one number and then tracking that instead because then it gives like a more balanced overview of mm. everything you're doing um i think another good way is just like a cultural sh shift as we said like if people if there are more people visibly doing um the sort of work that we find uh valuable and sharing it on social media rather than the current situation that might have an effect as well uh apart from yeah that, it might have the effect of where it's like why are you sharing just your streak when everybody else is sharing some creative output exactly you know? yeah, yeah 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 i think that might help uh, yeah I, I think the culture has a lot to do with it but i don't know that just seems like such a hard thing to adopt i i really want to know if there's a way of presenting progress or feeling progress mm. that's so gradual like this that would be sustainable for the majority of people because some people figure this out on their own for mm -hmm. one reason or another they just figure out how to feel the sensation of progress even in these gradual systems so but how can you do that for most people is there like a way of thinking is there something like maybe just I don't know, it seems simple, but what if you just track your time spent and you just tried to read more every day or something like that? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I think with... I'm not sure how to solve the general problem of um, people not being able to, uh, like, understand, like, the reward that comes from the actual process, but I feel like if people were able to track... Um, universally everything that they do every day and they were able to connect um, mm. sort of the rewards they receive from the real world in the future 
right back to when they started learning something. So they were able to track like the chain of causality right back through their life, right. you know, <laughs> right back to the start <laughs> of when they downloaded Anki or downloaded Superman or whatever. I think that would really help if it was possible to make the connection between um, the work or learning you do today and the payoff far away in the future. I think that would really help the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah, that would really help. It just seems like uh, an amazingly complex thing to do to like track every single thing you do. I think that it's kind of thing. so possible today. Uh, at least, um, at least your learning it's possible to track. I mean, since we do your learning and your work, since we're all basically knowledge workers, you know, we're all part of the mm. tertiary sector of the economy, basically, where we, uh, I don't know, sit down at desks and um, work on the computer all day, basically. Uh, it, it's so easy to track what you're doing. Um, and I feel like you could just do that over time and it's going to become easier yeah, and easier I mean, with all of these that devices. That would and stuff. be amazing. And, and I think you're right. It actually is doable. It reminds me of this is like sort of related. Have you ever seen that movie Transcendent Man? It's a documentary with Ray Kurzweil. Uh, I know of Ray Kurzweil, but I've not seen it. No. Yeah, so there was this documentary in 2009. And it's a really interesting documentary. If you're into that kind of stuff or like futurism or um, anti aging stuff, it's <laughs> really interesting to watch. But uh, anyway, there's a portion of that documentary where he's basically talking about this idea, which he is fully confident will come to fruition, which is you'll be able to essentially revive human beings that have died, not by actually bringing them back to life, but mm -hmm. by feeding information about them into some sufficiently advanced AI, and then that AI will recreate them. So Damn. his father died, and he's got like sheds full of stuff that his father wrote and even things like bills that came in for him, like yeah. all sorts of details about his life. And he is fully confident, as far as I can tell, he doesn't even have a shadow of a doubt, <laughs> that he will be able to feed this AI, eventually, all this info about his dad. And the AI will essentially bring his dad back to life for him. He'll be able to have a chat with his dad, as far as he knows. And, uh... I don't know, that just seems funny to me. What if you could feed the AI an earlier version of yourself and mm -hmm. then have a chat with yourself and then you get to realize, oh wow, I know way more than this idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be a visceral sense of progress for you. That's awesome. Oh dude, there are so many cool things you could do with that. And the thing is, it's, <laughs> that'd it's be not amazing, even like, dude. there's not even some physical, there's not some law of physics that makes that impossible. It's totally possible with the technology we have today to uh, record everything, literally every um, input and output in, from your brain, basically. I mean, what goes on right. inside your brain is kind of a black box still, but in terms right. of input and output, like everything is written down, everything is recorded. It, it mm. would totally be possible. It would be so interesting to see, like, uh, <laughs> you feed all that information to the AI of your past self, and then you could run, like, <laughs> I don't know, different tests to see whether you could have come out smarter <laughs> of the learning process. You can speak to uh, a, a version of yourself where you used um, <laughs> the puppy reinforcement add-on <laughs> and the version of yourself where you didn't. <laughs> and then you could see which one turned out better.
Oh man, see that would actually kind of make me depressed a little bit because imagine if it said you really screwed up your life, you could have been so much better than this. Oh man. If only you'd used the heat map and the uh, puppy yeah. reinforcement and the Pokemon thing. <laughs> you would have been that a actually reminds me of something I read once, which is, you know, what's your own personal version of hell? And someone said, meeting the person I could have become. Oh, and I damn. thought, oh man, that would be terrible. If, <laughs> if you've somehow screwed up your life in a way that you don't see, and you could have done way better, that would be kind of depressing to confront. Brutal. And then you check their Anki profile, and it's just full of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, yeah, I think that, like, even just what you're saying, just, just without the AI, just tracking what you do, mm-hmm. there's probably something really fruitful that could be done there in terms of just tracking how far you've come. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it really could end some of the de- debates about um, nature versus nurture. If you if you tracked, like, a child's learning progress, literally from when they were zero <laughs> to uh, <laughs> when they were an adult, I mean, you can make a bunch of interesting findings, I bet. And that's totally possible t- today. I bet there are people doing it right now. I bet we'll find yeah, What if you were already years. an adult and you just started tracking everything you do? What are some interesting things you think you could do with all those data? Um, I'm not sure. Honestly, with one person, it's not really... It is possible to do like self-experimentation. It's just, I guess it's slower when you're doing it with one person because you have to do an experiment, uh, then another experiment to see the changes but if you can have lots of people all doing these experiments at the same time maybe it requires sort of a level of sharing i guess with Mm. if you start as an adult it's uh yeah i'm not really sure what do you think yeah i don't know that that would be a really interesting thing to do but like you say it seems like you would get better better results if you had many people doing it like Mm. so just to give sort of an example i have a bunch of sleep data i i have an aura ring Mm -hmm. i have a dream headband you know i do all this stuff for sleep i wear blue blocking glasses i use one of these sun lamps in the morning um i use the white noise machine at night Mm -hmm. i have philips hue bulbs in my room so i can turn them red after the sun sets I mean, I have flux on my computer. I do all this stuff. But as far as I can tell from the sleep data, none of it helps me. And all this sleep data hasn't been able to help me do anything better about my sleep. And let's say there were a larger community of of people using these tools to optimize instead of just observe. Mm. And people could give explicit tips. I've seen some tips, but mostly they're vague, right? But if people could give more tips about like, Oh, I did this, and then my sleep went from this to this. Yeah. In the same way, if you had this uh, setup where you were tracking everything you did, people could say, "Oh, I I do this thing, and here are my results." You know. Yeah. It'd be yeah. way more easy to uh, compare and and get better input and change your ways of doing things. Yeah. To get yeah. better results. I think uh, there are a number of like interesting models for how you can get insights on uh, how you can get insights at scale from these sort of um, tracking tools so obviously you have like the university research science method which is um, obviously successful 
in certain domains. But the one that I'm more interested in recently is sort of the decentralized uh, participant-led trials, uh, quantified self, that sort of style of mm. tracking. I, I think if you were able to scale that up, um, keep it uh, like rigorous, scientifically af- accurate, like do proper uh, scientific like trial design and stuff like that, I, f- I feel like that would be so powerful because I see almost the hints of the start of that in certain domains such as uh in fitness like in fitness it's really common for people to like bodybuilding and stuff like that so people will create a program they'll track lots of uh, relevant variables about their life while they do that program and then they'll sort of share that information with their viewers i mean some people even i'm talking about youtube when when i'm talking about Mm. this they'll they'll share it with their viewers they'll even record the process they'll record um like quantifiable comparable metrics such as their weight their uh strength before and after and things like that i feel like that is what if there's something like that for learning i mean that would be so interesting if it was totally decentralized i mean it's not entirely scientifically um rigorous because it's quite rare that these uh like programs are carried out in a really scientific fashion but they mm-hmm. are yeah extremely creative there's a faster turnaround there's the potential to um uh, do uh, do real serious scientific uh investigations over sort of this decentralized network you know uh, so cool <laughs> yeah or just just even even if you don't do the investigation part even if mm-hmm. you just want people to advance more quickly like yeah if you look at some of the written up posts from the advanced fitness advanced fitness people mm-hmm. it's like insanely in-depth yeah. you've never seen anything so in-depth yeah and they keep like you say they keep track of every variable they try so many different things mm-hmm. and they're so persistent with it and they keep track of everything and then they do this very long very detailed write-up and it's amazing and i've never seen anyone do a write-up like that for learning when have you seen that never literally never there's nothing like it at all and there ought to be because it's i mean it's totally possible and it would be beneficial it's clear that um people have different strategies for learning and some of them are more effective than others and there just seems to be no interest in it whatsoever uh especially from i mean the uh like the establishment there's nothing like that uh like even these... not even close dude yeah, even, yeah. I, you know what i think some of it is some of it is ego it's like mm. people don't want to mention all this effort they had to go to to learn something because they want to be seen as smart they just want to show off the end result look at me i learned this there you go whereas yeah, if yeah. you explain it people might go oh well you had to do all this stuff maybe you're not so smart but in reality, everybody has to do that stuff. There are very few yeah. actual, you know, brilliant people that don't have to do any thinking. There are a few, yeah. like John von Neumann is one that comes to mind. Who <laughs> right. just appears. He existed in another universe, in another uh-huh. realm. I, I don't know what, what sort of gift he got, but there are very few people ever like that. And even smart people who win Nobels and do things like this, they still have to do thinking. They still have to try. They still have to, you know, have practices and 
and things they do on a daily mm -hmm. basis to get the most progress, you know? So people shouldn't be ashamed of that stuff. And I wonder if that plays a role in why more people don't do these kind of detailed write-ups or mm -hmm. dedicated strategies and applications of programs mm -hmm. for learning and then explain those, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how it would change the debate on like whether intelligence is innate, whether it's like, mm. yeah, it just seems like all of that is testable right now, literally right <laughs> now. No one's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if everyone were Gwern. If everyone yeah. were Gwern, <laughs> we just scaled up Gwern <laughs> and we had all this beautiful data from everyone. We could learn so much about the world, dude. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. With current technology. If you just self-blinded like Gwen does and you are committed to the rigorousness of the scientific method for yourself mm -hmm. and then everybody, like you say, it was like a, a mass scientific study where everybody contributes. If we just had a bunch of Gwen's, that's the key. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so interesting that the the level of data sharing in those, in like Gwen's um, self-experiments and in the uh, the fitness ones, as we mentioned, is actually a lot higher, it seems, than in, um, like, scientific papers. Like, they'll share mm. details about their life that, that, like, go into far more detail than you can get just by reading uh, a scientific paper, often. That's what mm. I find. I just find that so interesting. Yeah, yeah the, it's really interesting to me, and this will be an overgeneralization, so forgive me, but people make fun of bodybuilders as if they're some kind of morons, mm. right? But if you go to these advanced fitness subreddits, or even if you go to the steroid subreddits, I've never done a steroid cycle myself, but just out of curiosity, I really want to know how these people evaluate the risk. So I've been to the steroids communities, and people will do these extraordinarily in-depth write-ups, again, about, oh, I tried this cycle, and here's what happened to me, you know? And it's like, these guys aren't idiots. They're yeah. just... They're just wanting to get fit. It doesn't say anything about their intelligence. And it's really interesting to me that that community has way more in-depth write-ups and detailed, here you go, if you want to replicate my results, uh -huh. here's exactly move for move, every single weight I lifted, every single calorie I ate, every single hour I slept, every single cardio event I did, mm. and every single steroid I injected. If yeah. you want to replicate these results, that's exactly what you do, yeah. and you'll have the same thing happen to you. Whereas nobody's ever said, I learned this. If you want to learn this to the level I did, here's what I did. Yeah. Nobody's ever said that. And it, I feel like the, the potential um, is even higher in learning because there's no, there's less of a risk of like uh, overdosing or whatever, or you don't have to pay for uh, your steroids, you don't have to worry about. Um, the negative effects of your cycle or whatever. Right, like, right. Like, pretty much at this point, learning is free. So there's no, um, there's n not even any sort of initial investment you need to do. Right. All of this is so possible. It's just, yeah. Yeah, the barrier is so low. Yeah, the barrier is so low. <laughs> there's not enough introspection or willingness to share or even advanced enough techniques. Maybe mm. maybe part of the reason people don't share it is because they don't have a technique. They just show yeah. up and see what happens. Ah, oh, dude, yeah. All right, I, I think we should leave it there. That that was a nice yeah, one to I think end that's on. Good and I want to come back to it um, 
some point in the future because it's one of the things yeah, that definitely. just fascinates me. Yeah. But yeah, this is a good episode. Yeah. Yep. See you guys next All time. All right. See you.